Welcome to Casual Talk Radio Podcast found at casualtalkradio.net. My name is Leister, I'm your host. Thank you for dialing in today, whether you're an existing subscriber or a new listener. We welcome everybody. Got a couple things to get out of the way first, and then we're going to get right into our topic for today. Casualtalkradio.net. That's our website. Check it out for all of our different podcast episodes, past and present. We're constantly making updates. We're refining the website experience. If you have any feedback, we'd appreciate hearing it. You can hit the contact link at the top, fill out the form, come straight to us. You can also leave us a voice message if you want to leave your thoughts on audio, and it may be played on the air. Who knows? Let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. I have some interesting news. Things have been shifting around since the last we talked. Number one on the list, I think I mentioned, I was closing in potentially on the third client for my endeavor, my side, the thing I do for a living normally. And I wasn't sure, I'm still not 100% sure. However, I got some feedback that I believe might be in a positive direction. And basically they said, yes, we'd like to have you on board. Now, of course, there's some other stuff has to be done, paperwork, et cetera. If it goes, it'll be my third client. I have the original client that I've had since May. There's been turmoil with that client. There continues to be turmoil with that client. However, I have the current leader's support. They see that I'm arguably the best at what I do, which I, anybody that's been listening for a while, I said that I believe I'm the best at what I do because I, I firmly believe it and I fight to show it and I don't mind proving it, but there are still people that for whatever reason, they're, they're kind of in a bubble. And it, this is my topic actually for today is around the workplace. What we used to have, and we've, we've changed, but what we used to have is a recognition of expertise, where you might have a foreman or a supervisor, manager, and somewhere there's some expert that's on the team. And that expert is expected to create other experts by way of cross-training, mentorship. And I gave an article ages ago on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn's playing games, so I'm not on LinkedIn and will never be again. But I did an article and I talked about the loss of mentorship in the workplace. And I think the reason there's been a loss of mentorship is that certain people resist mentorship. That's what I think the symptom was of the first client. With the second client, we've not gotten to the point of enough velocity and enough engagement to know how that's gonna go. I suspect that I'll be engaged as a mentor because it's so new to them. But because it's new now, they're just not really ready to start that conversation, but it's, it was made clear to me that I'll be expected to play that role. No problem. Then this third client, which again is a full-time client, I don't know if I'll be playing a mentor role, but I already know going in without even having seen their system, I'm going to be the knowledge expert in everybody else because I've been around the software long enough and with my first client, I'm learning still so much more as possible than even I know. But I have enough knowledge to be able to invent things on the fly, which is an invaluable skill that is lacking. And that's caused some of the turmoil and my topic for today about mentorship. And what I believe is the symptom of why mentorship died off and what we might be able to do about it. Let's go ahead and jump into that. I just wanted to update you. The third client looks like it's going. We have a little bit more paperwork, if it does, of three sources of money flowing in, which is exciting, and I'm optimistic now. Hopefully, I can get the heck out of Nevada. Take a little bit as I get settled with the inflow of cash, especially with the second client, because that was supposed to be a weekly flow, and they're not quite there yet. So once I get there, 
things will hopefully start looking positive. But without further ado, let me talk about that topic about mentorship because hopefully it helps you. First, we need to define a mentor because there may be people out there that don't really fully understand mentorship. And I had a revelation. I'm gonna tell a story first, and it's important to understand the background of why I am trying to define stuff for you here now. I got asked a question a while ago about books I read when I was learning to read and when I was a kid. And here's the irony. The books that I mostly read, although there were books that I read, you know, like the, I forget some of the names of them, but the, um, you know, with the Green Knight and of course, King Arthur, that kind of stuff, sure. There were some religious stuff, but the key for me was encyclopedias. And I actually thought they were Encyclopedia Britannica. Turns out, no, they're the World Book Encyclopedia. The World Book Encyclopedia, you may not know, is the only encyclopedia provider who still prints a physical copy of the encyclopedia set. And I recently bought the 2021 set, mostly because 2022 so far is kind of eh, and I wanted to get as up-to-date as possible, but kind of bypass some of the disaster of Joe Biden. So I haven't read them yet, but it's a beautiful set, and I need to set up my bookshelf to be able to have it. But now that I remember, there was really the World Book Encyclopedia, and I'm thinking 1984, 1985. I went back and I looked at some of the photos. And yes, that was the set that was sitting up on the bookshelf in my parents' house of the World Book Encyclopedia, and I would love to look through those. I felt it was the best reading experience I know that sounds weird, but that's only because today such a thing is taken for granted. I don't watch, just Google it. I don't know that people understand the stark difference, the stark difference between Googling something and reading it in an encyclopedia. And it has to do with the connections of things. So let's say you're just curious about pyramids. Well, there's the pyramids that we know of, Egypt, right? But we also know the shape of a pyramid, which is a different description. We know prisms, which is a type of pyramid. We know all these different things and you start learning all these different connected things. This takes a curious mind. If you don't have a curious mind, it's dull to you. I believe that the demise of trying to use real books has caused a demise and decline of true curiosity. So I've always been a curious sort. With the work that I do, it almost assumes that you're curious by nature, that you're going to dig around and figure something out because you are genuinely interested in whatever the subject matter is. What I've found is that many people are not that curious. They, they're not the Lego kind of person. You know, we would get the Lego kits and we would try to figure out how to build all sorts of crazy stuff. Like, you know, the McDonald's, they had them in the Happy Meals and we would collect all these just to get the pieces. And then we would build our own thing. We wouldn't build the little car that it's supposed to be. We would just use all the spare parts and build our own thing, whether that's a castle or whatever because that was the beauty of Legos. It wasn't that you can build something that a picture shows you, it's that you can build whatever you want. That was the flaw of puzzles. Puzzles are only meant to show you one thing. There was a certain intrigue in figuring out how they fit together so that you can create that picture, but once you did it, it's kind of boring. But with Legos, it was a different thing. With Legos, nothing was beyond possibility. You could create literally anything with them once you had all of the parts and pieces you needed in order to make it work. This was a cultural thing back then. When I think about the, the Transformers, the, I'm not talking the garbage Transformers of today. I'm talking the real Transformers, right? The Optimus Primes, the Screech and, the, and Starscream, the real ones. There was somewhat of an appeal of making sure you had all the different planes and having all the components and 
building up your own deal, building the base. Like there was an appeal, but it can only do what it was meant to do. Whereas again, with Legos, you always come back to it and it's always a different outcome. You can always build something different. You just had to have the vision, something creative that said, I want to create something new. I've never had an aptitude for art. I'm talking, you know, painting, drawing, never had an aptitude for it. I did the painting of a Moogle, which that, unfortunately, that jerk off of an art teacher dinged me for. And if Olivia is listening to this, shout out to her for getting me through that class. It, it, it was my sanity intact. But I've never had the aptitude for art. However, I've always had the aptitude for creativity. The difference, I think, was in my form of creativity, I don't want somebody telling me what to come up with. I don't even want somebody telling me how to do it. I want them telling me what's the goal. What am I trying to do? Why am I trying to do it? And I have to agree that it's worth doing. In the art class, I never agreed this is worth anybody's time. This is not, I don't plan to be an artist when I grow up. So why am I being forced to take this stupid class? Thus, I would push back against it. Same thing would happen with other classes like PE. I would push back against it because nobody would explain to me why it is that I'm doing it and to a point I'm satisfied with it. In certain math classes, I can get you the answer. Boom, easy. Then I get squawked at because they want to see me show your work, right? I don't feel I should have to do that. Did I get the right answer or no? If I did, it doesn't matter how I got there. It should matter that I got to an outcome. So I can think that from a young age, I've always been an outcome-focused person. Fast forward. And I start realizing, thanks to the director who I wrote an article about, that I'm an outcome person by nature. This is just who I am. I'm about the outcomes, not the path to get there. Because when you focus on one path, which is how school teaches you, is here's the predictable path that we teach everybody to do. It's limiting. It's constraining. You feel like you're plugged into the matrix. You feel like you don't really have your own brain. You don't feel like your own person. That's fine for people who don't have direction. I didn't need it. I just need the outcome. And then I take all my tools that I've accumulated, figure out how to get there. As long as I get to the outcome, I was satisfied with this. So then when I met the director, I had all this potential, raw potential, but I didn't have focus of the potential. Nobody was willing to sit and help me focus. I met certain key people who ultimately abused some of my niceness and it didn't turn out well. The director was different. She would straight up get me to where I needed to be, understanding how to communicate, understanding how to respond to emails, understanding how to organize and prioritize and time manage. Learning so much from this person Fast forward then, I get the opportunity to train other people. And I am challenged now, I can't just tell them what to do. I've got to challenge their own brain because I know I'm not gonna always be there for them. I've gotta get them to where they're independently able to function and perform at a high level, ideally surpassing me. That creates a goal for me. Now I have something to shoot for. If I'm an effective mentor, I should be so dang good that they surpass me because that means I've opened up their raw potential just like somebody did for me. So I follow this mantra and I've trained a number of people, whether it's technology or not. I've trained a number of people to eventually replace me and hopefully surpass me. To a fault, there's only one or two who did not surpass me and that's only because they didn't want to. They were satisfied getting to a point that was better than where they were. Every single one of them to a T, arguably minimally doubled how much money they were making after learning under my mentorship. I take pride in this. So when I come to my endeavors now, fast forward again, and certainly the first one, I come in under the assumption I can do it again, that I'm coming in with vast array of experience you lack, not just in terms of duration of time, but in the diversity of solutions. 
how to solve different problems, how to understand what is a problem, how to build better mousetraps. I expect that you recognize there's no way you can have more experience than I can because you know I've met, I've dealt with over 70 some odd customers across the nation in different aspects. There's a fault, there's a fallacy. And that is, you don't know our solution. With the software I deal with, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't care where you install it. It doesn't care if you're in healthcare, doesn't care if you're insurance, doesn't care if you're education, it doesn't care. It's a set of tools, no different truly than a landscaper and all the tools they need. They need a weed whacker, they need a lawnmower, they may need some seed, they may need some soil, topsoil, whatever. They have tools. They know from experience which tools to use when for given problems. That's how my software of application works. Certain of the customers of the software don't understand that because they've only ever worked at their company. And that's the fault is if you've only ever stared at the same thing for 10 years, you're in a bubble. And I believe many workers are in a bubble. I believe that bubble causes them to resist mentorship. Thus, the companies don't want to try to mentor because they create this culture of a bubble narrative that it's just what we do. This is what we do. This is how we do it. You sure, I'm sure you've heard it if you work in the workplace. That's a bubble. You can't think outside of your bubble. You can't recognize that there's at least 50 ways to slice a problem. And it shouldn't matter what way you take. Instead, cultures at companies is such that they will create one way to do it and force everybody to do that which negates the value of true mentorship to do it better. So it might take you two days to do something because you were trained that or you were expected to do that by policy or procedure. Truth is, if you were, will, if you were allowed to use the vast array of your knowledge and experience over time in different aspects and you recognize it's the same problem I dealt with in a different industry, but it's the same core problem. You might've been able to solve it in two hours. You're not allowed to because this is the way we do things it's the bubble. The bubble, I resist it. So when you hear me talk the stories about the endeavors and the issues with the endeavors, it is because I'm a fighter, truly. I'm a fighter, not a lover, to slip Michael Jackson. That's what I am. And I said in a past episode that you kind of have to be a fighter because you're proud of who you are, you're proud of what you contribute, and you shouldn't let anybody trample on your hard work. If you've worked hard to build up that skill set, and trust me, I know it's harder to get to that level. But if you've gotten to that point, you shouldn't let anybody trample on you or disrespect you or dismiss you. Because if you do that, all that's doing is putting yourself out. The truth is, you kind of have to walk as if nobody else is in the room. I know that for some reason, society has created this narrative that that is not appealing or not desirable. And truly, some companies create this culture where we look down on those kinds of people. Quote, you're not a team player. Here's the thing, if you were not a team player, a team player is a person who is going to do everything they can to make sure the team gets better at what they do. You wouldn't want the, I don't watch these sports, but if, you want, if you're a fan of football, you wouldn't want a team where every single player is at the exact same level and nobody's able to score any more than anybody else. That wouldn't excite you as a watcher. You want a team where there's always a star or a set of stars. And you know that when the stars get up there, whether it's baseball, football, soccer, whatever, you know that you're about to see your team pull ahead because you've got those stars. You do expect that your stars are gonna be that mentor. They're gonna drive the team to greatness. This is why we can look back and say that Michael Jordan truly was one of the best. This is why we can look back and say Magic Johnson was truly one of the best. 
This is why we can say people like Spud Webb were one of the best. Larry Bird was one of the best because they worked to try to make sure everybody else was just as good as them. Unfortunately, some people just don't have it to that degree. That's why there's always stars. And then there's everybody else. That's normal. There's always a breakout. Boxing, in boxing, you always will have those, those stars like a Floyd Mayweather who just seem to be able to handle any situation thrown at them. And then there's other guys like an Oscar Valdez who all they can do is box at their own weight class and can't seem to fight higher, can't seem to fight lower, don't show up when it matters. Guys like Deontay Wilder, where it seems like power is all they really have, and when that doesn't work for them, they have no second answer. That's normal. You're going to have specialists. You're going to have stars. You're going to have standouts. We should not discredit or dismiss our stars. We should use them to help elevate everybody else. Because if that person is making major amounts of money or making major amounts of progress, we all are making good money. That's the, that's the team mindset. And I've had it since I was in high school, back when I was fighting that same art teacher. And I can credit certain names I can call you. Maria, because she helped me in understanding team dynamics. Olivia, for keeping me sane and patient, dealing with that stupid art teacher, so on and so forth. I'll even call Geraldine, even though that was a fiasco. Point is, I can call out certain people that helped me at a time create this narrative way fast forward now. It really was that simple. It's always been within me. I always wanted to be that standout. I always wanted to be at the top of it. And I always had to push to get there. And at one point, I needed somebody to help push me over that limit because I realized the limit was artificial. It wasn't real. I had further to go. There was more I could do. Once I saw that person was able to push me past this artificial glass ceiling, I realized there is no ceiling. I have no ceiling. I have nothing stopping me from greater growth other than my own desire to either do or not. There are things I choose not to do simply because of time, money, whatever. I can do anything though. When I get to an employer or a contract opportunity or something else, I just level set them. I will do what I choose to do, not what somebody imposes upon me unless you pay me what I ask for. If I'm working full time, I have to kind of follow some instructions, but then I'll just quit if it starts to get stupid because I have to maintain control of who I am because who I am is why I'm successful. It's not because of anybody else telling me this. My only expectation when I get in this mix is that the people around me recognize this person's, they're just walking, they're fighting for excellence. They're fighting to be great and I wanna be like that. I wanna be at that level. Can you mentor me to get me to that level so I can be like that? So I can one day work for myself or so I can do my quality, my, improve the quality of my work or that I can get faster at the work. I expect them to reach out and I will help them because I want others to be elevated by my presence. Because if everybody else is elevated by my presence, ladies and gentlemen, that's less work for me. If it's less work for me, it means I can balance and that's why I have three clients. That's why I have three that I can balance because when you get to that level of skill, you can now balance, which helps you make more money, which helps you get ahead of the stupidity of inflation. I don't say this to brag. I say this to state of fact. And if you have things you're good at, you should be proud of this. You should want to help other people so that they can be just as good as you and not be ashamed of the fact that you have the skill. You should want to contribute to them. They should want to take it from you. They should want to get to at least your level, if not surpass you. I will always want to push people to surpass me. Truth is, I'm constantly growing because I have no glass ceiling. So I will continue working at least to get people to my level because I know everything's moving faster.
And that means you have to go fast with it. If you're staying behind, I'm going to keep going forward. And certain people that are smart enough about it will recognize this. And I'm the one rewarded. You can sit and complain about it, or you can actually do something about it. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process that's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at casualtalkradio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care, and I will see you on our next upload.